and we want you to be the on-camera stylist. And I was like, but I'm like the whole job of a stylist, like before Rachel Zoe came along, the stylist had never seen. They're just behind the scenes, behind the camera. And I was more than happy there. Like I am quite shy by nature. And so I was like, guys, the upfront person and I'll just stay behind the camera. I'm fine with that. Welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, Melbourne-based beauty journalist, Brittany Stewart. And each episode, I sit down with a guest to ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them that they take to a desert island, aka Beauty Island, that I'm sending them off to. Maybe it's the product that reminds them of their mum, their teenage years, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is stylist and TV presenter Jules Sebastian. If the name sounds familiar, yes, she is the wife of that well-known Aussie singer, Guy Sebastian. But if that's all you know about her, then you are in for a real treat with this episode. She is a TV presenter stylist and has combined the two of those skills by hosting two makeover shows, MTV's Style Me and Channel 7's Bringing Sexy Back. She's the host of her own fantastic YouTube interview series, Tea with Jewels, and she's also a philanthropist with the Sebastian Foundation, which she set up with her husband. She shares some of the incredible work they're doing for families and particularly victims of domestic violence, so just a warning, we will be covering a bit about that topic We also talk about the moment she discovered that doing all the creative things she loved could be her career and working incredibly hard to make that happen. And yes, she is also very musical. The imposter syndrome she still feels to this day, the perfume that always gets her compliments from strangers and what it's like meeting your soulmate at just 14 years old. How she talks about her relationship with Guy, well, I think we both got a bit teary. Enjoy. Jules, welcome to Beauty Island. I'm so excited to have you here. What was your first beauty memory that you can recall? Well, good question. Thanks for having me, by the way, on the island. Um, so growing up, I think, like my mum, she she wasn't too much into this stuff, you know, like beauty stuff or fashion even. She's just like a super simple woman, Scottish woman. Um, so for me, growing up, it was all about the basics and I think I have to pay my mum credit for teaching me how to take care of my skin because she was really good at that. She, she, you know, she bought me my Nivea, um, you know, cleanse tone moisturize, very simple, just down the local Woolies. And yeah, she really, she really taught me how to wash my face every night and, and wash it every morning. So, I mean, I've been told I've got nice skin, so maybe I we can, can confirm that fact right now <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> um, it's not perfect by any means, but it's held together quite well. So thank you, Nivea, for, <laughs> for the basic cleanse toes, tone and moisturizing. And you grew up in Adelaide, is that right? What I did. Was, what was that childhood in Adelaide like? It was the best. I loved it. And I mean, Adelaide gets a bit of a bad rap, I think. Um, but I loved it. I mean, very, very normal, simple upbringing. My mum, my dad, my two brothers and a cat. And yeah, it was good. We had a, like a really chill neighbourhood, very middle class. Um, we had one of those streets that we lived in a cul-de-sac, so... It was a lot of kids in in the street, and we all grew up riding riding our bikes and um, climbing the trees. And there was a creek at the end of the street, so it felt very homely and um, it, simple. Just a simple, easy kind of a life. Yeah, I was really into sport. I, I played. I was very much a tomboy growing up, which is also a shock to some people as well. But I was, I I just really. I don't know, maybe because I had an older brother and he played a lot of sport. My dad played a lot of sport. I was always at some sort of sporting, you know, football, soccer, match, whatever. So, um, yeah, I grew up playing netball and I did athletics. I went to, you know, I was in the state team for athletics. Um, so that's not just being like good at sport. That's yeah, I was pretty good. I was pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> pretty fast runner, sprinter, not a long distance gal. 
not a long distance girl. And what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you think your your future would hold in terms of career? I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, so it's a sort of a problem for me. Um, but I'm trying to see it less of a problem and more as um, a benefit, I suppose. Growing up, I, I liked a lot of things. So, you know, sport was kind of my favorite thing. And then I started to get into music and I ended up studying for a year in at the Conservatorium of Music. So played piano and sang and did that whole thing. Um, and then the fashion thing kind of kicked in, fashion and beauty. Um, when I moved to Sydney, I went to fashion school. So that was another kind of life that, that began. I feel like I've had like maybe 25 lives in one already. Kid in the cul-de-sac riding her bike, her BMX around with the boys. Not a chance, not a chance I'd be sitting here today telling you that that, you know, that that's what I've done with my life. So I didn't have much of a plan, but whatever was in my hand at that time, I, I tried to do with the best of my ability. And still to this day, that's what my mum always said. She's like, even if you don't know what you want to do, just do something. And that's really stuck with me. So yeah I just try really hard with whatever it is I'm doing that's a great piece of advice now the second product on your list following on from the Nivea cleanse tone and moisturize is kind of the first beauty product that you remember owning which was a Woolies mascara and an eyelash curler can you tell me about that a lot of Woolworths in my life yeah I mean mascara when I discovered mascara it was like I discovered Jesus I, I couldn't believe the difference that it made um my friend she she had an eyelash curler and she curled my lashes one day because I have, I have long lashes but they're quite straight so they need a bit of help for that pump and here's the thing I always go on about on my face is that I have quite fat eyelids as well um, hooded lids I think is the technical term <laughs> but I refer to them as um, chubby chubby lids so or smiley eyes I like smiley eyes yeah. best <laughs> uh, we'll go with that but so which makes your eye quite small and heavy on top which makes it a little hard for all the other products like eyeshadow and eyeliner um me trying to have one of those like cat eye eyeliner lines is just it's lost in there it's lost in all the chub uh so for me it's all about the lash and it just opens up my eye really well and so when I discovered that I could curl my lash to get myself a bigger eye that was it for me I was like anything I need to do um and then mascara because I always find like the the supermarket brands mascaras are actually the best ones oh definitely they have the best brushes and the best consistency in mascara you can get get right in there down to the bottom of the lash and they're quite thick I can't remember specifically I think it might have been like a Maybelline like a great lash like kind a of great lash one of the classics and i and i would probably still give that a go now so you mentioned obviously you studied music and then i think it was when you came to sydney when you i mean you were working full time and then also studying fashion at night yes which sounds like a hell of a lot on it your was. on your plate when did you what was the point that you kind of realized that something that you loved that kind of creative side could be a career a job i didn't know this growing up in adelaide i didn't know anybody that worked in this industry you know we didn't we were just like you know your mum my mum was a librarian my dad was a draftsman you know like and we sort of everyone's mum and dad did you know accountant or quite you know mainstream corporate type jobs so I didn't know anybody that had a creative job so I didn't know it was something that you could actually do as a career and get paid for it until my lovely husband went off and became a musician and started getting paid to do that we were like oh okay well I guess that's the thing and then so he moved to Sydney to do that and then I followed along a couple of years after and I was I was always into fashion and beauty even though I was a tomboy I I was very specific about things that I would wear even if it was a pair of tracksuit pants they had to be the Adidas tracksuit pants the three stripes down the side and the two at the back. Do you remember those ones? The ones that go around the calf? Yeah. And then the tube socks had to be two or three pairs and they had to specifically be scrunched in a certain way and the right colour that that went with the sneaker and everything had to be just so. It was all in the details it was even then. all in the detail and I'd drive my mum crazy. She'd be like, she just didn't understand what I was trying to do. So even though it wasn't, 
great fashion. I was still very obsessed with how it fit, how it looked. And in my mind, I thought it was great. And so that kind of formed on and, you know, we grew up, grew up a bit and, you know, when I could afford to buy my own, my own clothes and that's my baby. <laughs> my four-year-old is in the house and what are you watching? Power Rangers. Yep. Classic. Um, See, I was destined to be a mum of boys. Just had to happen for me. So, yeah, I I started to get into into fashion and and sort of develop my own style. And that was something that I sort of learnt as I went on in my career of styling is that it is actually a skill because I was like, this isn't – what do you mean you want want to pay me to help you get dressed? You know, like – why do you need that? Does, don't you just know how to do that? But I did realize that it's something that not everyone has that gift, I suppose. But then when I went to, uh, when I moved to Sydney, yeah, I was working full time and just like a regular job and then um, studying at nighttime at fashion school. And then it sort of just kind of came about that I met another stylist in, in a shop across the road from where I was working my full time job. Uh, she was coming in to do pulls for some of her shoots that she was doing and so I ended up um, assisting her. She just asked me if I, if I could assist her on like Australia's top model or something like that. And I was like, that sounds cool. So I went and did that and then it just kind of went from there. And yeah, I, I, then I then I realised when I started meeting other people of this world, you know, photographers and hair and makeup artists and other stylists, um, and other people that I was studying with that had these ambitions that I started to feel a bit more normal. Like I was like, oh, okay. So I'm not this weird kind of creative person that's trying to be a corporate gal. I can I can be creative and that's okay. And you mentioned your husband pursuing a, sing, a musical career, obviously Guy Sebastian, who won Australian Idol. How did you two meet? Because you met back in Adelaide before all this happened, didn't you? We did. We've known each other since we're about 14 or 15. Um, so it goes back. I think that's, that's, yep, that's more than half my life. <laughs> um, so we've known each other a really, really long time. We actually met in church, <laughs> church kids from way back. And that was kind of it. Like we met and we didn't. I mean, we didn't really like each other in that way. We liked each other as friends or whatever. Um, and he has, he comes from, he's one of four boys in his family. So I knew his brothers and we knew each other's friends and family. And then it wasn't until I was about 19, I think, when I sort of noticed him for the first time, you know, when you like know somebody and then you're like, hmm. That's interesting. I've never really thought about you before. And that, yeah, I sort of noticed him. And then we became really good friends, like best friends for about a year. And then it became a bit romantic. <laughs> and the rest is history. Two children and a marriage later. It's a very rom-com kind of... It is. It's one of those stories. Like when you, I mean, there's so much more detail than that. But I recently just went to a wedding in Thailand, actually, on the weekend. And... um guy wasn't with me he was back in Australia with the kids and lots of people were asking me you know about guy because they were all from overseas and some people didn't know guy and once you kind of get going on the story it's actually quite sweet and people are like that's so rare it's actually so rare to find your person at you know 14 years old I didn't know it at the time but to to think about all of the things that we've gone through together and we still like each other at the end of it all, it's actually quite a miracle. And it's, um, I mean, it's it hasn't been smooth sailing all the way and you've got to work hard at your relationship and, and your marriage. But we've hung in there. We've managed to do okay. And like, we really do like each other. <laughs> I think that's the thing as well. When you meet your partner so young, like you said, you think about what a different person you are at 15 at 19 to your mid-20s to your late 20s so to be together to grow together and to grow in the same direction is like you said is so rare and I think that's I think you've nailed it because there are so many people that especially with what guy has gone through I mean that really could have gone any which way I sort of concluded when he won Australian Idol I thought okay that's cool um he'll just he'll marry Delta because why wouldn't you if you had the chance (laughs) So I just thought, no, he'll marry he'll marry someone in his industry, a pop star, someone who's of that, you know, kind of caliber. 
poor old little Adelaide Jules is going to miss out on, you know, marrying the boy she loves. But uh, but credit to him, he quickly realised that, I mean, he's such a normal, humble human being. He just happens to be really good at what he does. But he, he's just like a super normal, chill dude, dude with like really good morals and he has a firm grip on reality and he understands what that is. And so for us, I think it's been credit to him really and myself. And you, yeah. No, but he, he's really sort of led the path in, in that way. He, he really could have gone off and, you know, gone down a different path. But you're right, we've grown together um, at the same time uh, and we maybe because how we've been raised, we were raised very similarly in our homes and upbringing and, you know, in church. And that always helps to have that foundation of just, I don't know, just trying to be good humans, good citizens of the world. And although you work in slightly different industries, they're obviously very complementary. And I think you have had the chance to work together a number of times. Yes. Can you tell me about the first time? <laughs> the first time was I actually styled Guy for one of his albums and that was my very first paid styling job because um, I'd been working as an assistant for about two years prior to that. So just schlepping around Sydney, just driving my little Daihatsu charade into the ground <laughs> and just doing whatever it, it kind of took to to get where I needed to get. So it was two years of working my butt off really and working for free and just, you know, doing the doing the schlep. And then um, Guy had a, an album cover that he was, uh, you know, getting ready. And so he signed to Sony and the, one of the girls that works there, she – sort of reached out and said do you want to give this a go and I was like nope no first of all Sony music I'm too scared second of all guy I know I'm really scared because he's very particular with what he likes to wear and very you know he knows what he wants and so I could have either said no and things could have gone very differently in my career but I took the took on the job and I just sort of did it and took out the fact that he were we married at the time? Yes, we were married at the time. I took out the fact that we were husband and wife and just saw him as a client and what does he need as an artist and as a client and what can I do to do the best job? So that's how I sort of went for it. And it, I mean, literally brought two car loads of clothing. I got my friend, wrangled her in to be my assistant. <laughs> I was like, you're doing this. I'm not paying you. Let's go. Um, and And we just got it done and it was great. Turned out really, really great, I think. I still look at that cover and I think, oh, yeah, he looks good. <laughs> and I have to say, if anyone who follows you on Instagram will know that as like a, a family, you were like the most stylish family. Both your sons always look so cool, oh. way cooler than I could ever look. Um, <laughs> and the two of you. So I love that it's kind of an interest that you both, you both have. Oh, yeah. We're right into it. Now, the third product on your list is the product that kind of defined your teens or 20s, which is a popular one, the MAC Glass Clear Lip Gloss. Oh my gosh. It's one of those products that I just can't not think of my teenagehood. And it's, I mean, it's the, I mean, no offense, MAC, but it is a hard product to wear. (laughs) It's so thick and gluggy and like your hair gets stuck in it and you're like sort of you get a little bit of tingle the tingle in your in your lips too but I just thought I looked so great I thought wow I look hot with these really shiny shiny lips and then all of a sudden matte lips came in and I was like ah ew I'm not wearing that again And you mentioned before you've actually been involved in two makeover shows. I think the first with MTV and then with Channel Seven. I've heard you talk about kind of getting the call that they wanted you to be involved in there in the MTV makeover show, and you just seem so surprised. So surprised. Still, I'm still shocked. Can you tell me about that that time? Yeah, it was. I just had my first baby, Hudson. He's seven now, so um, he was five weeks old at the time, and I was a freelance stylist, so I'd been working um, for a long time, uh, just doing freelance, working with a lot of music acts and red carpets and album covers and that sort of thing so it was right into it and then as I had Hudson I wasn't really sure what I was going to do work-wise I thought I'm just gonna throw this to the wind if I love being a mom and you know I, I just want to 
do that and stay at home, then I've got the chance and the opportunity to do that. Otherwise, we'll just see how it goes. And anyway, five weeks into it, I was, you know, I was in the newborn bubble. I didn't know what I was doing with this child, trying to muster through being a new mama. And then I got an email from, it was actually one of the production crew that I had worked on. It was actually one of Guy's videos that I was styling. I did so many videos, but it was it just happened to be one of Guy's videos that I was that I was working on. And this production crew um, wrote to me and said, "Oh, we're working on this show with MTV. Um, we need a stylist for it. Are you interested?" And I was like, mm, "Nah, I don't. Probably not. It just might be a bit much for me right now. You know, just had the baby." And they wrote back, and I said, "And they said, no. Um, they they need an an, an on camera stylist, and we want you to be the on camera stylist." And I was like, "But I'm." like the whole job of a stylist like before Rachel Zoe came along the stylist had never seen they're just behind the scenes behind the camera and I was more than happy there like I am quite shy by nature and so I was like guys the upfront person and I'll just stay behind the camera I'm fine with that so I'd never pursued that I'd never put it out there that that's what I ever wanted I was more than happy just to be behind the camera and I was like what do you mean I, I was genuinely like no, you might have this wrong. I don't. I haven't done that before, so probably not going to do that. Anyway, after so many backing and four things, um, they finally convinced me. They said, just come in and do an audition. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I was so annoying. And anyway, they ended up having me come into MTV headquarters, which I was like, I think I'd been there before, but like, you know, with a pile of clothing for somebody, some beautiful, you know, TV presenter or model or whatever, but not as the talent, no way. And so I went in there and I was so, it was actually nice because I put some makeup on and, you know, put a little outfit on and I hadn't done that in about five weeks. And so went in there and I was so scared and I genuinely thought, I don't know why they're asking me to do this because I'm not going to get this job and then I'm going to feel like a bit of an idiot. So anyway, I went in there and it was just the producer who I knew and the cameraman and they just said, okay, can you style the cameraman? And I was like, "Mm, okay. And so I just went ahead and did what I would normally do on an everyday basis. Do this, do that, change your socks, da-da-da, put a hat on, da-da-da, done. And then they said, oh, can you just say this to the camera? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm walking down to the camera. I was like, this is, it's like a giant eyeball, like staring at you. And I said whatever I did. And then at the end of it, I was like, oh God, I was like, thanks guys. Like, thanks for having me. I guess I'll just see you on the next shoot. Not, you know, and I said, just out of interest, like who else is going for this? Like, is there any, any other people audition? And I said, oh, we've got, you know, we've got a model and we've got a few bloggers. And I was like, cool awesome that's great thanks and so I left and I was like oh, I went home and I said to guy oh, so embarrassed like what what did I do that forms just no it's idiot you know so I had a bit of a weird self-esteem moment and then a week later they call me and they're like Jules they loved it and I was like but what did I do <laughs> and they and they said you've got the job we go on the road in you know, like three weeks or whatever. So Hudson, my baby, who was, you know, two months old at the time, my mum ended up coming over from Adelaide and we went and we did this show. We went to all different states in Australia, travelled around together. And yeah, I styled I styled this MTV show, which was, it truly was the start of the next kind of chapter, I suppose, of my life and career. So I owe a lot to that moment and I owe a lot to that crew for seeing whatever they saw in me. And I think the the one lesson that I really pulled from that, which I still always kind of bang on about and try to remind myself of all the time is that when I went to audition, like I said, I didn't know how to audition. All I could do was be myself. They really encouraged me to, to just be who I was. And so I feel like that was a really huge life lesson for me because I, I don't know how to do anything else and I don't really want to do anything else. I want to, I just want to be myself. And if that's, if that's good enough, then that's great. But, and if it's not, who cares? Like you're not going to miss out on what is meant for you. So yeah, that was a really, really poignant 
kind of moment for me and a super fun one as well. The next product on your list is a perfume that has a special memory or time for you, which is one that I love as well, actually. Portrait of a Lady by Frederick Marle. What is it that you love about this and what does it kind of represent for you? So my the first time I smelled it was on my friend and I was like, what is that? You, that is amazing. I've never smelt something so beautiful. And she told me and I was like, I'm going, I'm getting it. So I, I went, I think it was at Mecca. I went to Mecca and just got the biggest one there, you know, kind of went over to the counter, didn't ask about the price or, you know, anything. And, and she was like, that's, you know, whatever whatever exorbitant amount of money it it's was in like the mid to high 200s it's not a yeah uh, uh, it's more than that or with the biggest the big size one. probably it is yeah because you know when you get to the the point of no return and you've she's already like packaged it up and said the number and you've already had your credit card over and I was like okay all right this is gonna have to last <laughs> last a little while um so I got it and I just love it I mean there's no real deeper meaning than that but every time I wear it because I try and save it for you know like the special moments um every time I wear it without doubt you know at least 10 people will be like what what is that smell like it smells amazing and do you know like it's the only perfume not that I'm trying to like pick up men because I am a married lady but it's the only perfume that I wear that men will be asking me oh what what is that is that you do you is that and then so many guys have gone and bought it for their wives or girlfriends because they've smelt this perfume. So you're welcome, girls. <laughs> there is something in that because I've spoken to a few people who wear it and no jokes, all of them found it by smelling it on someone else. And it's the one, like you said, they always get asked by strangers or yeah. whatever. So something magical it's, in that perfume. Yeah, I think it's quite a strong smell, <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's like a and it's a little bit masculine feminine. I think that's what draws me to it because it's not all the way girly or florally rosy. It's but it's not all the way manly. And I feel like that sort of sums me up. Masculine feminine. I'm a little bit tomboy still, but I do love the girl stuff. So I feel like it's a good smell for me. And I think what's interesting with the kind of makeover styling shows that you've done and as a stylist, you would see people kind of look at it and go, oh, you know, clothes are superficial or you can't do whatever. But there is such a transformative power of putting in an outfit that makes you feel more confident or and what is it kind of like seeing that in person with the people that you were styling on the shows and kind of in your day-to-day work as well I thought that for a really really long time I thought fashion is just so shallow like what what why do I love this so much um because I don't feel like I'm a shallow person and so I think my my most favorite moments and everyone that I've ever worked with has had this moment whether it's like a super you know famous person or a mum that's just wanting to you know dress a little better every single one of them first of all has insecurities doesn't matter who they are how you know how famous they are how rock hard their abs are everyone has something about themselves that they're trying to figure out and work on um and so my favorite moments have been when that person sees themselves as they've never seen themselves before. So when they look in the mirror and they sort of distrust you for a really long time because, you know, I think being a stylist, you can see the potential. You can look, look at the person and think, okay, this is going to look great. And then you go ahead and you pull the stuff and they're just looking at you like, nah, that's not going to work. Everything looks different on a hanger. And sometimes the thing that looks the worst on a hanger actually looks the best on the body. So you have to give things a chance. And and so when you pull it together and the look comes together and they look great and you're feeling pretty confident in what you've just done and then they turn around and they see themselves, like some people have cried, some people just laugh, some people are just they have the biggest smile on their face. And for me, that's the moment because – it's not just clothes at that point. It's something, like you said, it's transformative and it there are so many levels and layers of what's happening inside of that person and it's such a beautiful moment to be a part of and especially when it's something like a television show um, and Bringing Sexy Back was the other show that I did with Channel 7 and that was, that was even more levels because they were working with a, a trainer as well so they were 
losing weight and then at the end of it all I kind of came in and did the reveal with to their families and friends and so they were fitter than they'd ever been they were feeling so great that just had their hair and makeup done and then they put this whiz bang outfit on that's been styled for them and then they come out and then it's the not only the reaction for themselves but then the reaction of a crowd of people that love them the most I mean I cried in every episode I could not keep it together and I just had my other second baby so I was an emotional wreck um so I think for me that's the moment and that's the moment you realize that this is not just it's not just about clothes it's it's what's going on in the inside and that confidence that people can find from it the fifth product on your list is your kind of holy grail which is two hair products actually the orbe texturizing spray Mm -hmm. and then you said more recently the kevin murphy hair resort spray yes why do you love these oh my gosh when i discovered this product because i have quite fine thin hair there's quite a lot of it but it's it's sort of straight and fine and so my hairdresser JD, she sprayed this stuff in my hair one day, like did the whole do and then sprayed the stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this magical thing you've put in my hair? And it smells so nice. And that it's it's like the perfect amount. It's sort of like a, a dry salt spray. So a salt spray is a bit more wet um, when it goes on, but this is like a texturizing spray that gives you the same feel as what a salt spray would give you, but it's but it's dry so you can put it in your ends you can put it in in your roots it has the same effect and then you literally it's like you know when you run your hands through and you're like I want my hair to go here and it just goes there and it stays there and it's like literally like a spray of magic <laughs> and I love it so much and I go through so much I should have shares now you and Guy have obviously set up the Sebastian Foundation which helps families in need how did that come about and can you tell me a bit about some of the incredible work that you've done with the foundation definitely one of our our great passions is giving back to people and communities um and i think we it was just just always been in us i don't know if it's you know going back to the church thing where you sort of when you grow up in in a in an atmosphere like that where it is about others you know like it's always about others and looking around you to see what you can do for someone else so I think we had a good foundation growing up um, in church and so when the foundation came about we just had our two kids we were just so grateful that we'd had a healthy family and um, we felt it was time to do something about you know giving back for ourselves and so and guy you know he's always getting asked to do um, you know, gigs or come and visit this person or come and sing here. And so he was like, why can't we just channel it to into something that we're really passionate about? So a conglomeration of a, a whole bunch of different things and just sort of wanting to do something. We started the foundation and, yeah, helping families in need. And in more recent times, we've sort of changed the, of course, families because we believe in the that unity as a really powerful thing and – I believe in the women in the family too. So because I just think women are the backbone a lot of the time without that. You know, I just went away for like four days and I was like, I'm very glad you're back because now I realize how much you actually do. Um, but it's true. Like if, if one of the most functional humans in the family goes down or is sick or is getting hurt or whatever it is, then the whole family kind of becomes a bit dysfunctional so I feel passionate about the women and we've in recent times sort of um, looked at um, women who are experiencing domestic violence in their families which is just rife in this country and thankfully getting a little bit more exposure um, as time is going on but we've worked with a lot of the women's and girls shelters around Sydney and um, worked with the, our partners, Freedom Kitchens, um, Green Options, um, the gardeners. And we, we've gone into these shelters because we asked the question, like, what do you need? What can we do to, to help? And, I mean, the need is so great. But what we could do in with what we have is offer going into these shelters. You know, that they're, when these women come to the shelters, they're obviously – 
running from a situation that is far too much for them to to be in anymore so being abused by their partners and women women are dying from this women are dying from domestic violence in australia it's just it's the most heartbreaking i can't even i can't even conceive of that it just it breaks my heart to think that that's happening all around us and the more that i get invested and the more i talk about it the more it's around me you know like the other last year i was at a park with the kids in bondi and talking to a woman who had who was from an affluent area partners with a doctor she had literally just moved in with her mum and her two kids because she was experiencing this in her home so it's it's everywhere around us it doesn't discriminate it doesn't discriminate and it's it's happening so the fact that you know australia really is starting to face it and talk about it is is so great but getting back to the shelters that we've worked with so we've been going in there and um just sort of giving them when they come to these places they're scared they are they're terrified they sometimes they have their kids sometimes they had to leave their kids somewhere else so they're alone they don't know what they're walking into they don't they don't know what's going to happen with their future they've just literally come with the clothes on their back because they can't bring everything with them and so going into a shelter um that's a bit grimy that's a bit old that you know a hundred people have just slept in the bed before them the sheets aren't clean etc 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 the fridge doesn't work whatever it is um we've gone in there and tried to make these shelters a beautiful homely experience for them so when they come that they feel like someone is valuing them because i think that's what it comes down to like if you're experiencing abuse your value and the way you see yourself and your self-esteem is at an all-time low because you don't think you're good enough to not be taken care of and so to come to a shelter and sit at a beautiful kitchen table have a have a cup of tea in a clean glass you know walk in a kitchen that where the micro, microwave can heat your meal all of those things i know as a woman that that makes such a difference and to show that you know us as a foundation and other people in the world care enough to do that for you it really makes such a difference and the stories that we've heard um come back from the shelters have have been just that like one of the girls shelters um which is more for teenage girls that are you know suffering in their home domestic violence and have to get out for a number of different reasons they come and they you know they're still trying to go to school and study and get work and you know do further studies so it's just their lives are just so hard really hard and they come to these shelters and um some of the reports back were you know that they they really have taken care of the kitchen that they take their shoes off before they come home um the homework and the marks in their school have gone up so much because they feel like they want to come home and you know take their shoes off have a little cup of tea sit down at their beautiful kitchen table and do their schoolwork. and so they've actually seen having a beautiful space has helped them study harder get better better marks and therefore their future is a lot brighter because then they've got the opportunity and the options to go forward so it seems you think oh a kettle you know like a couple of plates or whatever it makes such a difference in their life and and that's what drives us further and further and further into it in terms of your your own career and what you do you kind of juggle so many roles because it's not like you have one job that you do it's kind of multifaceted. do you find that it gives you flexibility or do you find that and I think a lot of people with the kind of uh, encouragement of having like a side hustle and all the things that we're seeing at the moment you just end up working non-stop yes and no I think I think in order to do anything you have to work hard I think that's just the bottom line of it you can't I mean it's pretty obvious you're not going to get anything if you don't do anything so I feel like I have a pretty good work ethic and have worked really hard up until up until this point but in recent times I think since having the children and when when they were younger it was a little bit more easier I know that sounds a bit backwards but it was a bit easier to to work and kind of get care because there was no schedules there was no school there was no like you know 
after school sport and da, 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 the million things that are happening in life. Um, you could just kind of go and the hours were, you know, could come back at five or six and everyone's life was just carrying on. But as the older they're getting, what I'm discovering that Archie will be five soon and seven, so five and seven, is that they're actually a bit more needy of me now than they ever have been. And so I have sort of figured out a way to squish all of my projects, (laughs) not always, but for the most part into the hours that I'm not with them. So when they're at school, um, I have a fairly set routine of what happens in my day. But along with that, I have had to put the brakes on a little bit career-wise and things that I'm saying yes to. And that does kill me some days, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, But I know that the investment into my children is something that I will never, ever regret and is the greatest investment ever of my life. And I'm so happy to do it. And I love them. And it's amazing. We're having a great time. But then, you know, like when you're scrolling through Instagram and there's 17 events that have happened that you didn't go to or that person, you know, has started this thing and they're doing their thing and they don't have babies. And so they could pour their whole entire life into it. So though those moments where you're like, okay, this, you know, I know it's, I know this is worth it for my family and for my children. Um, but because I am a worker and I love to work and it makes me happy and it gives me, you know, a, a sense of satisfaction. There are those moments where I'm like, I know I could do more, but I know it's not the time right now. So I'm just doing with what I can I don't want to overload myself. I don't want to be so busy that I'm exactly what you said before, working 24-7, not sleeping. I wouldn't be good at anything. I wouldn't be a good mum and I wouldn't be a good career gal. So I think for me right now in this moment and maybe five years from now, I'll listen to this podcast and think, oh, she was so calm back then. Um, I think everything is for a time and everything is for a season and so you can't beat yourself up with where you're at and I'm only one person I can't do everything at the same time like I can do some things and those some things I'm determined to do well so that's where I'm at right now so for now I'm 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 with my kids for the most part Archie's here right now he's such an angel and then so everything else, like Tea with Jules, which is my, my little online sit-down chat show over a cup of tea, is, is such a passion project for me, and I, I absolutely love doing that. Uh, the sixth product on your list is the product that gives you a bit of a confidence boost, which is the Cosmetics Elite XL Brightening Serum. What is it that you like about this? In recent times, because I'm getting a little older, not too much older, I have started to take care of myself in my skin even more than I have before. So getting some facials, I go to the clinic, Bondi Junction, and they do what they do, scrub and squeeze and pull and whatever else they do to me. And so they actually introduced me to this product and it's, correct me if I'm wrong and I apologize to all of the beauty experts out there, but I believe it's strong in vitamin A, this product which I believe is really good for your skin. So it's sort of a one hit like kind of product where it does, you know, the wrinkles and the smoothening and the tones your skin. And it it's like a wonder product and it, it really um, hydrates you as well. I just love it. It feels so nice. Like anything serum-y I think is really. Kind of feels like luxurious and like you're doing something yeah. fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Now, you mentioned um, Tea with Jewels, which is your great online series, and I they're films, so you can watch them as videos. I also like listening to them as kind of podcasts while I'm at, while I'm at work. Um, and you've interviewed some incredibly diverse guests and some amazing names. And I love that you really, it's, it's you, it's your personality as well, but also just kind of sit down, the cup of tea. It really seems to make your guests open up yeah. in conversations. Are there any that really stood out or affected you in terms of like the conversations or the advice that was being shared in the interviews? Tea with Jules is, I've been doing it for about almost just over three and a half or three years. I've been doing it for just over three years and 
I just can't get enough of it. I just love it so much. I, I think because I really like people. I'm very interested in people's stories, how they got to be doing what they're doing, what makes them tick, what makes them good at what they do. I find it so fascinating and very inspiring. And um, I started it because I thought maybe other people might find this inspiring as well. And through my job and and our life and guy's job, I get to meet the most incredible people, just stumble across incredible people all day long. So I wanted to share that with with everyone. So that's really why I started it. And I think the ones that really sort of mean so much to me are the, are the ones where it starts off a certain way and people come in with a certain way that the interview is going to go. And for the most part, it's like same old, same old, same old, same old. And you've heard it 50 times and people are very good at their own story. They're very good at um, this happened and that happened and da 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 da, da. But my favorite ones are when, because this is what I always try and get out and I'm not always successful because some people aren't, you know, ready to go there. But when you go off the beaten track a little bit and you start to talk about the real stuff and your feelings and what the, that deeper sort of level as to why you are how you are or what happened to, you know, in this certain scenario or whatever to, to make you feel a certain way. And I think to me that that just means so much. It means so much to me that someone would share that, first of all, with me and share it with the internet as well. Because it's not easy to, once you get asked a question, you, you can really decide in that moment whether you're going to go there or you're not. And I remember talking to Rachel Finch, who is, I mean, one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my life. And then she's so nice as well. And like this, you know, beautiful mother and great career and all the rest of it. And um, I asked her something. What did I ask her? I can't remember what it was, but I think it might have been, what would you, what would your 15 year old self tell your current self? which when someone asked me that I cried my face off because I was like, oh, so much to say. And I think that one really got her and she shed a tear. And I was like, that's so, that that means so much to me. That's very special. I mean, I don't go out and try and make people cry because <laughs> that's a bit evil. But I think when somebody comes across what you're doing and has a moment for themselves, to me, that's that's the whole point and that's the whole reason. And I love to learn things. So I had... um a girl called Chelsea Pottinger come on and she's a neuroscientist. So she's all about the brain and what makes the brain tick. And maybe I was supposed to be that in another life because I'm really into that. Anyway, I just sat with her and it was almost like a counseling session for our, for myself. Um, and she, she was just so interesting. She had so much great, so many great facts about the brain and why we do things and how, you know, this happens and whatever else. So I felt like, I really learned a few things from that. So it's a little bit selfish sometimes where I'm like, and sometimes that's how I base how I choose my guests because I'm interested. Like I, I read a book one time and I asked the author to come on because I thought the book was so fascinating. Um, but then sometimes it's more like, oh, what will the people love? You know, what will my audience really thrive on and, and learn from? Um, and then, yeah, so it's, but my rule is with my guests it's never just the popular person at the time. It's the person who has a great story and who's putting positive, great things into the world. That's really the bottom line of it. If you're just trying to make this world a better place, you're invited. <laughs> and you mentioned social media before and you also, you recently had Alison Rice on Tea with Jules, who's yes. also been on this podcast and you kind um, of talked about social media because Behind the Filter is kind of the whole concept behind her offline podcast. And I heard this great quote, I can't remember where it's from, because I feel like we're having a lot of conversations about how the time we're spending on social media isn't always as positive as it should be. And the quote was something about these are apps or algorithms that are specifically created to make you spend time seeing what other people are doing without you, because that's basically what you're posting on Mm-hmm. Instagram how do you kind of keep it to a positive experience or do you ever get that FOMO as well that yeah that feeling definitely I wish that I could come up with some really wise 
thing to say right now that everyone will be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that too. Honestly, I mean, I'm going to be 40 this year and I and I don't know at what age you're supposed to have it all together, but um, no, definitely, it definitely affects me for sure because it's almost like that thing at school where, you know, you're on the team, no, 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 okay, we'll have you, it's almost a little bit can be a bit like that it's a popularity contest and you don't always come out on top and not everyone comes out on top and I think it's not great for our self-esteem but how I try to view it is exactly what I said about tea with Jules I try and find the people that are putting the good stuff into the world and take what I can from them and I know Like last night, I was having a moment. I was having a moment. And I put my phone down right as Guy walked in the door. And I said, I'm just coming off of social. I'm just letting you know I just need to come off of social media because I'm having, it's affecting my self-esteem. And he was like, great, put your phone down. And we went and spent some time together. And I felt so much better. But I think for me, I just, I don't have like, you know, some people have rules about turning their phone off or don't go on it between this certain amount of time, whatever. I just, I follow my feelings on it. And if it's affecting me in a bad way, then I'll, I will just put my phone down and walk away. And then I'll just have a very good stern talking to myself and be like, okay, let's remember what you have in your life. Great husband, two amazing children, just built a beautiful house, you know, semi-successful career um great friends amazing and I just go through all of the things that I have and that I can be grateful for because you can always find something always no matter the dire situation you could be like having a great hair day that day it could be as simple as that so I think it's all about remembering what you actually have and and remembering that it is exactly as Alison says there is a filter we're putting our best stuff out there I definitely put my best stuff out there I'm not putting a photo of myself of how I look right now I even asked you is this being filmed because I'm coming in my sweats (laughs) I mean it's not that important at the end of the day it's not that important who cares if you missed out on that or if your kid's birthday cake isn't you know the best one at school a year, whatever (laughs) no does it really matter like did your kid have a great time at their party 100% they did it doesn't matter and comparison is such a curse it really is and it just it'll bring us down and it's and we compare ourselves on all sorts of levels not only you know the looks thing and the fashion thing and the hair and makeup and all of that but then it's like like I said the mothering and who has what and who has you know who's using this product to to do this fancy thing or the career thing where oh they're doing way better than me and oh they've just released a book and whatever whatever it is I just think follow the people that make you feel good about yourself and follow the people that are putting the good stuff into the world it's a great tip We're coming to your final two products. Um, Your seventh product is the product that you would trust with your life, which is a great budget one. And I actually have never, this is one of one that I've never said out loud. So it's the the Woolworths Vu. Vu, good. Cleansing facial wipes, which are $1.50. I know you used to be an ambassador for them, but not anymore. And I've still seen you recommending them to people in like the comments and your Instagram posts and stuff. So this is a, as they all are, genuine recommendation. Genuine. Like, yeah, I I came on board to be their ambassador when they first launched and I think it went really well and it's done, it's done great. And it's in Woolies. It's so it's a Woolies brand. And I, when they, cause I got to obviously use the products before they went out into, into the world and I was like, this stuff is amazing. It's actually so great. And, it, and it, the full product range from like, you know, cleansers and toners and micellar water and um, eye creams and everything. It had the whole thing. And then they came out with an organics range. So like genuinely, I mean, I think they're amazing. They've done a great job. But these wipes, can I just tell you, $1.50 from Woolies. So you just buy the eggs, buy the milk, buy the wipes. And I buy them in bulk and they are 
some of the best wipes I've ever used. They get everything off. They remain really moist. They're easy to get out of the packet. Like they're good. They're really good. I can't recommend them highly. And yes, vu is how you say it. It's French for wish. Oh. Because we all wish for good skin. Love it. See, I'm a good ambassador. <laughs> and I've used I've used the micellar water that you mentioned and love it. Yeah, it's good. The final product on your list is the product that you use to kind of treat yourself, which is a face mask. Can you tell me which one and what it is about this particular one that you like? Oh, yes. It, it's this Japanese um, product. Wait, how does it say it Cure? Hankyu? Hankyu. I can't read my own writing. Hankure. It is like, again, the magic dust of face. It's like this... Uh, you get a like a mask that you put on and then your your whole face like tightens and you look honestly like an old woman, just like crinkles your face. <laughs> and then there's this beautiful serum that you put on afterwards. And it's, I don't know what it does to your face, but it, it, it makes you look like five years younger by the end of it. It's actually incredible. You get it online. My friend recommended it, recommended it to me and she said, don't run. I mean, don't walk, run, go and get this thing. It's like life-changing. And so, I don't know, I I can't explain it. You just have to put it on your face to realize. But it is so scary when you put it on and you look in the mirror. Just probably don't look in the mirror. Don't open the door to anyone. Don't, yeah, don't FaceTime anyone. Just put it on and thank me later. What is your proudest achievement so far? And that can be personal, professional. What's the thing in your life that you're most proud of? I think probably the first thing that comes to mind and since we talked about it earlier would probably be my family and my marriage oh I might cry yeah I think because I maybe because I've just been talking about it so much being at a wedding it's very special I think to have somebody who oh wow I'm really gonna cry um that you can do life with and that it's like, it's actually fun and it's not that hard. So it, he's like my person and always has been. And just you know, like I said, half of, half of my life has been spent with him. And he's very, he's just very kind and encouraging and <laughs> I'm okay. Um, and I think I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I'm proud of, proud of us. I'm proud of how we've stuck at it and we've come out the other side and we're still in love and we have two pretty good children at the end of it yeah i think i think i'm proud of i'm think i'm proud of the decisions that i've made around that i'm proud of the decisions he's made around that i'm proud of the decisions i've made around my kids and you know making making that just the actual number one priority over and above everything that ever happens in life that's that's what we live for is is our family unit so yeah absolutely and it's what you've built together yeah yeah now you've talked about the eight products on your list and if you had to pick just one to take with you to beauty island so i'm going to give you sunscreen basic survival kit (laughs) yep but just one from your list to kind of keep you company on the island which one would you pick oh it would be a very close, like I'd have to bring two. I'm so sorry. The, Tell me the two and then. The curler, the eyelash curler and the mascara. Really? Yeah. Okay. Waterproof, obviously, yeah. being on an island. I think because they are so linked, we can kind of count it as okay. a kit, kind of one, sure. one product. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I literally am nothing without my lashes. That's how I feel. I'm nothing without my curled lashes. <laughs> Jules, thank you so much. It has been beyond a delight to chat to you today. Thank you so much for talking us through your beauty products and and sharing your incredible career stories and and life stories. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I really wish that I could talk like you in this (laughs) accent because it's so much more fancy. (laughs) Thank you. And I love how you say Brittany and not Brittany like us. Britney Spears, yeah. I love Brittany. Did I tell you that Britney Spears is my favourite person? No. Mm, she's my favourite person. She, do you follow her on Instagram now? Yes, she's I do. Great. Oh, yeah, but she's just one T. You're the double T. Yes. Brittany. Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Jules.
listening to this episode of beauty island you can find all the products jules talks about in this episode in the show notes as well as where you can find her on social media and watch her fantastic interview series tea with jules if you enjoyed the podcast please consider rating and leaving a written review on apple podcasts those things really help other beauty lovers find the podcast There are also loads of other great episodes to listen to if you are new. I interview makeup artists, Australia's top beauty and fashion editors and beauty brand founders. So there's so many inspiring stories for you to listen to. And if you fancy chatting more about beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast. Thank you. And until next time, bye bye.